I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. What I do is not up to you. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I am Iron Man. And Hulk. Smash. You guys know I can move things with my mind, right? It's great power. It's great responsibility. No kids. Welcome to Watchtower. I'm Alex. And I'm Seth. And this is our podcast where we embark on a quest to rank Earth's mightiest movies. And uh, we're doing podcasts from... This is the first time... Podcast Watchtower. It's the first time for Watchtower <laughs> we're not in the same room. We're separated by an entire continent, basically. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Technology, am I right? Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. I mean... Not to brag. It's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're, we're finally... What? Oh, I was just going to ask, you know, a simple question. Uh, what film are, are we talking about? Oh, yeah. So we're finally uh, starting the Dark Knight trilogy. So that's exciting. Is it? I mean, are those movies any good? I mean, Maybe. At least the middle one. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> Batman Begins. Yeah, we're starting at the beginning, like you have to. And then we'll do the other two. Well, um, I didn't want to start at the beginning, but you did, so... Yeah, it only makes sense. But you yeah. you weren't looking forward to this movie, were you? No, I wasn't. I kind of... I'm not going to lie. I always just regarded it as, like, very boring... And not enjoyable. <laughs> oh. And did that... Did, was your mind changed? Honestly, yeah. Like, I really enjoyed it this time. Um, I, like... I kind of accepted the fact that it wasn't going to be perfect. And I really had a good time. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what was your... I forgot how we did this show. What was, <laughs> what was your... <laughs> We personal history and what box office and critical consensus, all that stuff. Um, well, let's see. So I've, I've like, I probably saw this movie for the first time when I was like five because my parents love this trilogy. Um, wow. But. Oh my God. I was in high school. Wait. Yeah, I was in high school. You were? I, I, yeah, maybe. I think so. I what, mean, what year did this come out? that makes sense. I don't know. 2005, right? Yeah. Oh, I was in high school. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was like eight, so uh, definitely was not five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a little bit but, better. Um, yeah. No, I was, I was eight, and uh, yeah, we watched it a lot, and I always fell asleep during it, and mm. I didn't really like the tri- like I didn't I don't think I liked The Dark Knight when it first came out because I was too young to like it mm-hmm. but then I loved Dark Knight Rises and then I went back and like watched mm. Dark Knight and loved it but I didn't want to go back and watch Batman Begins so I don't think I ever did until now <laughs> that's an interesting journey yeah that's it's so do you like yeah. do you like Dark Knight more than Rises now 
No, I still really like <laughs> Rises so much. I think it's the cast of that movie. I just yeah. love that cast. I what like about it too. you? What was your experience? Um, okay, well, I had grown up liking all the Batman films. I mean, I saw Forever and Batman and Robin in the theater. And mm-hmm. I liked those movies because I didn't know any better. But <laughs> they're... There's love in my heart for those movies still. But anyway, I, I liked Batman, and I was looking forward to this one. And I don't really have a memory of the trailers or being uh, or having expectations for it, but I definitely saw it in the theater. And I distinctly have the impression of being totally blown away by this take on Batman, on this kind of way more realistic take. That was... A Breath of Fresh Air in 2005. That had never, ever been done before. And that influenced, you know, all superhero films since. Which is kind of weird looking back on this rewatch. This is, you know, there are some more fantastical elements in this one compared to Dark Knight. Um, particularly with the Scarecrow. There's just kind of, you know, it's kind of, I don't know what, what the word is. Yeah, fantastical. But you know what I yeah. mean. Particularly when he's riding down the streets on a horse, that just doesn't seem very Dark Knight. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that just that grounded, realistic take totally blew me away. Just the idea of, oh, Batman was a ninja. He had to go train in the mountains. That was cool. Uh, rewatching it this time, I I was kind of bored. I think maybe I was where you were when you were eight years old. I was just kind of kept thinking, let's get to Batman. Come on. I I don't want to see this guy walk around the mountains anymore. <laughs> That's like, yeah, I feel like we flipped places. I guess because I was just expecting to be so bored and then I wasn't totally bored. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Fun fact, I actually cannot pull up the Rotten Tomatoes for this because of complicated technology issues. So... Oh. Either oh. you can pull it up. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> it's not who we are in, inside. It's what we do that matters. And I'm looking up the Rotten Tomatoes for Batman. That's what I'm doing. That was a wow. quote from the movie. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah. I, no, I got, I got that. I, just, I, remember, yeah. I remember being deeply moved by that line when I was 15 or however old I was. Deeply moved. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can see that. I can see that. I wrote down that line. I wrote it down. It's a good line. I like it. Uh, okay, 84% critics, 94% audience. That's good. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I guess just to say a little more about this this watch through, it. I still liked it overall. I think it's really cool. Uh I think Christian Bale's really good. I think um, Gary Oldman is really good. But it it's just a little too wordy, I think. You know, the characters don't really talk like real people. They talk like a writer. And that, that really bothered me because so much of the dialogue is just the characters explaining the film, explaining the plot, or they're literally talking about the themes in the movie. And that that, that was... That was hard to listen to, to my tired old ears. 
Did you did you <laughs> notice that stuff? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, it felt like, I mean, it very much felt like Christopher Nolan hadn't yet figured out like <laughs> the balance, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of this movie just felt like he like wrote down what he thought were the most important like thematic elements to have yeah and then he got really excited whenever he got to like connect them in the movie and then like overwrote them yes i yeah i totally agree i think he was he was on point with those themes but he hadn't quite nailed the drama of it yet yeah a little too cerebral i guess yeah okay well that's that's cool um so you want to move on to, oh, we didn't say box office. This movie made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the box I office feel was. Like, I feel like this one wouldn't have any shocking box office information. I'll look it up. You start talking about hero, hero and villain. I'll look it up. Okay. So because it's been a while, I'm just going to remind everyone, and by everyone I mean us. Um, oh, there are We're going to talk there. about hero versus villain. And then spectacle, and then morality. Um, so Batman's the hero, Bruce Wayne. Who's and the hero? Batman or Bruce Wayne? Batman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you trying to give me a trick question? Um, uh, uh, just, just food for thought. Um and. I guess the villain is Ra's al Ghul. Oh, yeah, totally. Who else would it be? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Alfred? Yeah, definitely Alfred. (laughs) Um, So... By the way, this movie made 374 million worldwide on a budget of 150 million. So it definitely made money, but not that much. Yeah, wow! Well, guess... It didn't like blow it out of the park. Yeah, I guess they, I guess it made enough for them to feel like a sequel was worth it, and then the sequel was, yeah. of course, extremely successful. And yeah. it got good reviews too. Probably good reviews, good word of mouth. But uh, anyway, so you were saying about uh, characters or whatever. Or whatever. Um, <laughs> so Batman is our hero, and Ra's al Ghul's the villain. Um, Bruce, I think, in this movie, it's really interesting because he kind of has a very... I think it's a very classic, like, hero's arc, where mm. he's kind of, like, finding himself and what's important to him, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really like that framed against what Gotham is because Gotham is such an interesting like devolution of of kind of the the urban like sphere like it's just like everything's falling apart and people Mm -hmm. are becoming complacent with the evil that surrounds them and I just really love how classic it feels without it feeling like contrived yeah sure did you did you like seeing I mean this is the first time Batman's origin has really been done fully like this. Now we see a little bit of it in in Batman 89, but it, you know, it's kind of weird because it's the Joker. But this is they really 
try to stay true to the comics. A lot of influence from uh, Year One, Batman Year One, the Frank Miller book. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you did you really enjoy seeing the origin done so in depth, and in particular in particular seeing Bruce go off and train? Because that that was a brand new thing. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Um, I remember this the training in the mountains stuff being a lot longer when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> like, my for some reason, like, my memory of this movie was that, like, at least 60% of it was him training in the mountains. <laughs> it does seem like it. I think it's about 45 minutes until he comes back to Gotham. Is that right? Yeah, but it was, it was like, intercut, interestingly. Oh, right. With you know, his childhood and him coming back and everything. And honestly, the pacing in the beginning of the movie is really fast. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That, that stuck out to me. Um, particularly the flashbacks, uh, the the stuff from when he's a kid, I think feels lightning fast. Um, Yeah. It felt a little too fast for me. And then it, once we got away from him as a kid, we just kind of hit a wall and we were like, okay, now it's slow time. Right, right. Uh, earlier I said I was kind of waiting to see Batman, and that's not really true. I I still really like the stuff where he's training. I think that's super interesting and some of the most memorable parts of the movie. Uh, I guess really it kind of came down to just all of the exposition, and that, that kind of weighed the movie down. But yeah, anyway, definitely. Um, I, I do really like how Bruce's personal story is... Like you were pointing out, it's kind of tied to Gotham um, as well, the fate of Gotham. It's basically a Sodom and Gomorrah kind of story where, you know, you've got this corrupt uh, this corrupt city that deserves to be destroyed, but the, the question of redemption comes... It's really, quite, it's really a story of redemption. Can Gotham be redeemed? Can Bruce Wayne be mm-hmm. redeemed? And I really liked that. I liked that... They made young Bruce Wayne, and I don't know if this has ever been in the comics, I don't remember, but I really like the idea that young Bruce Wayne seriously considered and almost went through with killing Joe Chill, the the guy who murdered his parents. That was yeah. that was really cool. That made him kind of very flawed and tortured, and that made hit that made the idea of redemption really strong because he believes in Gotham because he wants to believe in himself. And then you've got, you know, Katie Holmes as well. She believes in him and Alfred believes in him. That was cool, though. You take a character who's broken and tortured and he's seeking redemption. So he kind of sees the best in Gotham, too. I thought that was very good. I thought that was a really strong uh, character arc, I guess. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And especially with how much I love Dark Knight Rises. And that mm. is so much about the fate of Gotham. It It made... Seeing this again made me really appreciate how cohesive the trilogy is, mm. um, while still managing to do three very different villains. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you think of of the villain in this one of Ross Al Ghul? How did how did you think he mirrored Bruce Wayne, or did he? Um. Hmm. I mean. Definitely they mirror each other in the most basic sense of, like, Bruce is fighting for the fate of this city that everyone believes to be broken, and Ra's al Ghul is kind of fighting for the destruction of this city that everyone believes to be broken, but Mm -hmm. 
I don't know, it was interesting because Ra's al Ghul kind of, like, disappears for a large part of the movie, and mm-hmm. he's behind a lot of what's happening. You just don't really know that. Um, yeah, right. And I I love Crane. Like, I think I I just love... Um, Oh, what's the actor's name who plays Cillian him? Murphy. Yeah, he's great. Um, I not a fan. I really. <laughs> what? I'm not a fan in this of him in this movie. I thought he was kind really? of annoying. I thought he was kind of overdoing it, but maybe oh, that was just I, the writing. I don't know. I really liked him, but yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know. You you say what you think about Ra's al Ghul because I definitely see it in the most basic sense, but I'm not. Okay. Sold on yeah. complete I've got mirroring. Some, I got some bullet points here. So Okay. <laughs> here are just some ways in which they're similar, some sort of parallels. Um they both have a tragedy in their younger lives. Uh Bruce Wayne, of course, his parents are murdered. And Henri Ducard at, at that point, that's what we know him as. He says that mm-hmm. uh, he he had a wife and a child and he lost them. Um Right. And that's really interesting. That sort of already is the mirror to Bruce. You've got a boy who lost his parents. You've got a man who lost his family, who lost his wife and kid. So they kind of, you know, or they fit each other in that way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that's cool. And, you know, at that point, he is called, he's going by Ducard. But that is the real story of what happened to him, especially we come to find out in Rises that he's he's talking about Talia. Um, and we even see the young Ross al Ghul in, in Rises. That's a really cool moment. Right. But so there's that. They, they are they are literally mirrored in that way. And also they they both end up having personas. Bruce Wayne creates Batman. Ducard has Ross al Ghul. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, those are both these masks that that they put on. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's really good. Yeah, it's cool. And uh um they both go through a a death and rebirth. Bruce Wayne everyone believes he's dead and he comes back, and then Bruce Wayne believes Russell Ghoul is dead and then he comes back. Right. So that's really cool. It's honestly the script is really good. Uh just it's yeah. it was written by uh someone with a a writer's mind. That sounds dumb, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Just all these kind of themes and connecting connected dots and all that. It's really cool. I think just sort of the execution's not that it kind of falters, but and then finally the biggest one is this is where they start to diverge is Bruce Wayne, well they both are seeking justice. They both think that, you know, the world needs to be cleansed or saved or whatever. But they disagree in, you know, the method of the saving and Bruce Wayne believes Gotham can be saved and Ducard or Ross Al Ghul believes Gotham needs to be destroyed and is beyond saving. So that's where they mm-hmm. diverge. Um, and I think all that's really interesting. I don't really know why... I understand Bruce Wayne. That stuff, you know, we said earlier, He people believe in him, he wants to believe in himself, all that stuff. And then he kind of externalizes that with Gotham. But why does Ducard or Ross al Ghul, why do you think he doesn't... Why does he believe Gotham's beyond saving? I, I kind of yeah, feel like I'm there's not, not enough info there. Yeah, because, yeah, I agree. I I don't think there's enough information. Like, we, we get a lot of information about 
how Gotham is broken. Like, we see, you know, the murder of Bruce's parents, and we understand, like, that people are being forced to do these awful things because of the state that the city's in. But, like, I never understood, like, hit Razal Ghoul's, like, personal motivation for mm. wanting to destroy it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like he probably says it at some point in the dialogue, but it just doesn't quite land because the characters talk too much. Yeah. Uh, a Ross Gold prequel could be really cool, where you you see him lose his family and you see him as this soldier becoming a warlord or whatever. I don't remember. Um, yeah, that could that could be really interesting. I would watch that totally. Uh, but overall, I think. I think the writing's really strong. I think these are two good characters. Uh, I really liked that they did Ross Al Ghul, kind of an off the wall villain that you wouldn't expect, and they they told a an interesting story around him. Yeah, and I really love Bruce in this movie because he's obviously very flawed, but I was never mm-hmm. like, I never gave up on him in the same mm-hmm. way that like Albert never gave up on him. Like I was yeah. annoyed with him at points, <laughs> but I never was like, oh, he's a lost cause, you know. And I think the the script and the writing like you're talking about really balanced that well and i i like was frustrated with him but i never stopped believing in him right um i think the movie is saved by it's saved from an overwritten script by some really really good acting from michael kane from christian bale and from morgan freeman probably um Mm -hmm. oh liam neeson too of course uh and Gary Oldman for the yeah, little Gary Oldman. Yeah, I can't forget. Yeah, Gary Oldman sounds human. He's <laughs> it's just a weird compliment, but he just yeah. I think he in particular takes the material and just makes it sound so so human and natural. That scene with him and young Bruce Wayne, that's amazing. That's one of the best scenes in the trilogy. Yeah. And uh, I love all the scenes with Lucius. I want to talk about that in spectacle. But yeah, that scene with Alfred where. Um, after Wayne Manor is burned down and Batman has he's kind of given into despair or Bruce Wayne's given into despair and he's kind of just complaining <laughs> like a yeah. like a loser. Uh but the acting from Christian Bale is so good there. You feel I don't know, for almost for the first moment or sorry, for the first time I saw Bruce Wayne as a real character and not just Batman's alter ego, you know? Yeah, for sure. I Christian Bale's Bruce and Batman have really, like, grown on me because, I don't know, like, I don't think, I don't think it's a classic portrayal of Batman at all. Like, I think he's a really Mm. interesting pick and, uh, but he feels really, just really real in this movie to me, like, as a character. Um, Mm -hmm. and I really believe his tragedy and I think, um, it's a really solid foundation, uh, especially knowing, you know, how the rest of the trilogy plays out. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think he did a really good job with Bruce's different personas. There's Batman, of course, but then the question of Batman is, is the real person or whatever. But there's a there's a clear distinction between Batman, between Bruce Wayne, and then the public face of Bruce Wayne. This movie does a really good job at that, and Christian Bale does a good job at that, too. You know, the sort of playboy persona? Yeah, definitely. I don't think Michael Keaton ever really did that. I don't believe. No. 
Yeah, he was just always sort of... You don't see a lot of him as Bruce Wayne, honestly. He no. was more just distracted. Um, but anyway, uh, anything else to say about Hero versus Villain? No, I think it's really solid. Um, and I think just it's what... really cool, too, how, like, you know, we get to see some really cool mirroring with the other villains in the trilogy. And that's, like... Honestly, the coolest part about this trilogy to me is that I think all the villains are really solid. Um, How do you think is it very common? How do you think they are mirrored? Or what do you mean by that exactly? No, I just think that in every movie in this trilogy, Bruce and the villains and the villain in whichever movie like really mirrors him really oh, well. Yeah. yeah. In in unique ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They each they each represent a thing he's trying to overcome, which is uh, yeah. perfect. It's perfect. It's what we're looking for. Yep. Um, okay. Want to talk about the spectacle? Yes, and actually the first thing I want to say is from the very end of the movie. Um, okay. I love the tease for Joker. Oh, yeah, it's, it's good. Because... It's not, it's not, like, like we do that nowadays in superhero movies, but it's, like, we expect mm. it, or it's mm-hmm. set up really, like, obviously. But in this, I just loved how, like, it was just, like, oh, yeah, this, the, here's this card, setting yeah. up for the next movie. But, like, yeah. it actually got me, like, I, I was just thinking, like, if I was watching this for the first time when it first came out, that would be so exciting. Oh, it was, it was dope. <laughs> It was awesome because, uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing that in the theater and just thinking, oh, my God, I'm so pumped for that movie. Yeah. I, I want to watch that movie right now. I don't want to watch. I don't want to have to wait three years for that. And Batman's delivery there, he just says, uh, yeah, I'll look into it. That's so subtle. It's so cool. Yeah. I loved um, it. <laughs> did you notice the Batman voice in this one is way toned down compared to the next two? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's so interesting, because I remember people complaining about it in this one, and watching it again, it's it's no big deal. He's Oh, and a super interesting thing. Did you pick up on this? There are times when he's in the Batman suit, and he doesn't do the voice. No, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, I need to watch that again. And uh, look for the particular moments, but I swear, I know what happens. I absolutely know what happens. I can't remember who it's with, um, but that was cool. I thought that was realistic and, and interesting. But anyway, <laughs> I just remember when Dark Knight came out and they went even further with the voice. <laughs> just sounded yeah. like you know gravel being crushed or something compared to this. Yeah. Uh, we we didn't know how good we had it. <laughs> But what uh, what spectacle stood out to you? I don't think there's a lot of great action, but there I think there are a lot of really cool moments. I think there are a lot of really cool moments, and I think that it was a perfect blend of like fun but still realistic. Like yeah, I love the moment when he like summons the bats. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just really it was really cool, and I love like I love all the. This isn't really spectacle. I guess some of it plays into it, but I like the playful moments, like 
when he's like, does it come in black, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That's one of the best, the, one of the best parts. Yeah, stuff like that. I think it just, it had a lot of fun little bits. You know, you talked about, like, riding the horse down the streets of Gotham and mm -hmm. um, some of that stuff that's more, like, playful toward fantasy, but it never, like, goes so far that I was like, that's a total cheesy moment, you know? Yeah, totally. I think it... It's it's a bit closer to the Burton films in that way, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, there were some elements from it that I from those movies that I wasn't really expecting. Right, literally the scene where he's driving Rachel through the forest in the Batmobile, jumps through the waterfall. That's straight out of Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah, which was cool. That was a, that's a cool reference. Um, yeah, really cool. The those those fun kind of character moments with uh, with Lucius in particular does it come in black when <laughs> when he's driving the tumbler and he hits the 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 bridging button or whatever the turbo button that part's hilarious mm -hmm. there yeah. there are some really really fun fun moments uh, one one of the coolest parts this this is just a cool character moment I guess it's not really spectacle but when he goes out. For the first time, he doesn't even have the Batman suit. He's just wearing the, the, what is it, the ski mask over his head or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the tur and the turtleneck. And he puts the stapler neck uh, on Gordon's neck. I love that whole scene. Mm -hmm. Um. And he just he says to Gordon, "Now there's two. That's that's yeah. cool. That's a really cool moment. Well, um, I loved how many moments just, like, could have been overplayed but weren't. Like, mm. like the Joker moment that you talked about and, like, the moment when Rachel figures out it's him. Like, she just says, Bruce? And, like, that's yeah. all you really get, you know? Yeah. Like, I liked that it didn't overplay moments like that. Sure. Um, and even her saying Bruce is almost too much. Yeah, it's almost too much. But I kind of liked it just because it... Yeah, it's cool. I'm used to it being a little overplayed, I think, but... Mm -hmm. um. Oh, okay, let's go ahead and talk about Katie Holmes while we're on the subject of Rachel. Oh, no. Is she, she is anti-spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> that is what, what? so mean. <laughs> I, I don't... It, okay, maybe it's mean, but it's true, right? She brings the movie down a couple of notches. Yeah, she just plays it so straight in a way that's just like, okay, what's, who are you? Like, are you a character <laughs> or are you just saying things? Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> are you a character? Yeah, her deliveries were, I... Not sure she should have been paid to read those lines the way oh she did. Oh my god! <laughs> Come on, she was bad. Yeah, she was bad. Yeah. I mean, a, you got Katie Holmes in a movie with Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman. That's just and Liam Neeson. Come on, that's just that's just not fair. It's not fair to her. Yeah, especially because she's like the only female character. <laughs> yeah, and she's a cool character. That's that's kind of the sad part of it is she's interesting. But no, like I really like Rachel and I really like their relationship. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. oh oh wait, we have to talk about this. I think I think 
we mentioned this earlier. Okay, at the end when she rejects him and she says, "No, this is this is your real face." And then they're holding hands in the next shot. Yeah. What is that about? What what's she's, happening there? She's toying with him. <laughs> <laughs> um That was Yeah. Just, I, you know in Dark Knight when but... he says, "You said, you know, he's he's hoping for this time when when there would never, when there doesn't have to be a Batman, and she'll wait for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I could see why he felt that way because <laughs> they're walking around holding hands at the end of this movie, amongst yeah. the rubble of his family home. Yeah, I never like fully believed her affection for him, but I definitely fully believed his affection for her. Oh, you think it was always unrequited, or just bad acting? A little bit of both. No, mostly <laughs> I think it all. I think it was a little bit unrequited, um, mm. but I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell with her. <laughs> sure. Um, she. Who's worse, Katie Holmes or the or the child actors? K- Katie. Holmes. <laughs> oh, I think I disagree. Actually, I think she's got oh, some really? good some good moments. I don't think the kids have any good moments. Young Bruce Wayne is bad. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> Those were the weakest points were young Bruce yeah. Wayne and Katie Holmes. Um, I kind of but... like this new category we've invented, anti-spectacle. What the... <laughs> yeah, we should definitely <laughs> hit on that more often. Yeah. Um, so... Let's talk about the suit and, like, okay. his gear. Because okay. at first I thought the cowl was a little severe. <laughs> severe? What do you mean? I don't know. It's just, like, because it's, like, this whole big, like, headpiece. I don't know. It looks kind of dumb yeah. when he, like, takes it off. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I think, you know, and it's something they... 100% improved upon in Dark Knight when they gave him the kind of motorcycle helmet thing. Right. But it... I think at the time, I no one was really bothered by it. Maybe they were, but... I just... I know I was really taken with the idea of, oh, Batman is like James Bond. Every piece of gear, every piece of equipment has a kind of logical reason, or at least it appears to be a logical reason a believable reason for it to exist. That was yeah. very, very cool. I was surprised when they explained, like, the um, cloth that, like, can hold shape or not, like, his mm-hmm. cape, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you see, like, what the tumbler was built for and then how it yeah. they turn it into the Batmobile. Like, yeah. there's just a lot of cool, like, real-world application stuff going on there. Um it's not like in Marvel movies today where you just accept that characters have, like, 50 different costumes and all these gadgets and stuff with no explanation, right. you know? Reminds me of Iron Man 1, where it goes through step by step. He's building the suit. He's iterating on the suit. He's testing it. You know, Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3. It was kind of like that. Yeah, they made whole They made whole entire scenes out of it, and it was really cool. Yeah, and there, there are cool little character moments in those scenes when uh, <laughs> when 
he first of all they set up that they had to buy them in bulk and they bought you know ten thousand and Bruce just goes oh well, damn I guess oh I yeah guess we'll have we'll have yeah. spares <laughs> that was really good yeah and then he does he does break it later which is cool yeah um the suit I think the suit is good it's better in Dark Knight however yeah. this movie does. There, there are a couple times in this movie where they are leaning heavily into this more Burton area where it's more kind of gothic and impressionistic and just more fantastic. There's a shot mm-hmm. of him when he's talking to Rachel at, at a train station and it's kind of this elevated train station and they're underneath a bunch of, you know, steel frames and all that. Do you, you remember that part? And he gives her, yeah. I don't know, he gives her something. Some kind of plot device. But th- there's a shot of him just sitting there, and he's covered in his cape, and the cape is blowing in the wind, and it looks awesome. It doesn't look real. Yeah. It looks completely like a comic book. And it's... I don't think Dark Knight or Rises ever do anything like that. Yeah, I definitely think um, the movies get even more grounded as they go along. Um Dark Knight, for sure. Rises, I think, starts to trend back towards silly. Well, it goes into a new direction, which is silly. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, if you, like, take note of, like, the order Nolan was making movies in. Because, Mm -hmm. like, in between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, he makes Inception, which is, like, has a lot of those elements... Mm-hmm. Like, Inception is very similar to the Dark Knight trilogy in a lot of ways. Um, hmm. And so I think it's really interesting to, like, note Nolan's journey through those films. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, sure. I just well, think it'll what... be cool to look at as we as we watch the next two. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll think about that. I haven't seen Inception in such a long time. I guess it's due for a rewatch. So that's in between oh Dark gosh. Knight and, and Rises, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. Inception, like, might be my favorite movie ever. It's just so good. Anyway, don't Ooh. let me start talking about Inception. <laughs> oh, if you talk about Inception, I'll just talk about my favorite movie, which is Titanic. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> have, you heard the th- have you heard the theme song from Titanic? Yes. Okay, just making sure. I've, I've seen Titanic many times. <laughs> okay anyway um okay some more spectacle things i wanted to mention one of the coolest things about the movie is all of the on location shooting they did of him off in china of him just walking through the mountains that stuff is that stuff holds up really well visually because number one it's just in the real world um number two it sets this movie apart not just from batman movies but from most superhero movies uh Again, I was reminded of Iron Man 1, you know, him off in the terrorist caves. Just sort of something so real world and so gritty. Uh, I think it's aged really, really well. Did you enjoy seeing all that stuff? Yeah, I loved all the landscapes. And, you know, there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of CGI in these movies. Like, there's just not. Yeah, that's true. And that's what's really cool about it. And that's what keeps it really grounded. And I talking about inception again but like inception uses a ton of cgi but in very realistic ways Hmm. um and i really admire that about nolan's style because like 
I know this is a bad comparison, but I was watching Men in Black yesterday. and The original? No, the new one, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. And Not good. it just, like, no, it was terrible. And it's just, like, the, the CGI is so obvious and stands out so much. Mm. And I just think what makes the spectacle of Batman Begins and this whole trilogy as a whole so good is that it feels really real to me Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. while still having those like mind-blowing like fantasy kind of moments you know yeah yeah for sure i mean like i love the go ahead the tumblr they they built that thing that was a real car that they drove around and it looks real and it feels real and it's got a real jet engine on it and it's awesome yeah no that's what i was about to say like one of my favorite parts of the film is the whole chase sequence it's fantastic yeah that part's awesome um i think the action is pretty good there's there are some really good moments really memorable moments um but i think the fight scenes are just okay because they're they're kind of hard to follow a lot of shaky cam what did you think about that stuff yeah, I didn't think there was any amazing, like, fight choreography or fight cinematography going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I It doesn't really, like, stand out to me. What, Like you said, what really stands out is, like, specific moments, especially with, like, gadgets and stuff like that. Um, mm. I definitely think as time went on, they got better with the, the fight choreography, um, for sure. Right, particularly with, with Bane probably being the best example. Yeah. That fight with Bane awesome, is, is awesome. Man, I'm Anything... getting so pumped to watch the next two. I I am too, yeah. Especially He's... Dark Knight, because I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, Dark Knight, last time I watched it, which was a couple years ago, I thought, my God, this movie hasn't aged a day. It's still, it still looks great. It still feels relevant. All the oh, themes man. and the ideas. It's just I can't it's awesome. <laughs> um. Anything else to say about Spectacle? No, I just think this movie is really solid. Um, like you said, nothing mind-blowing and like the the fight sequences and everything, but it really grounds itself really well while maintaining some comic booky elements like you talked yeah. about. So, Yeah, I think it's aged pretty well. It, I think it only isn't mind-blowing in hindsight after Dark Knight and Rises because at the time this was truly visionary to do this kind of grounded take um now there was a lot of room for improvement and they did improve on it but it's there's a lot to like in the spectacle department it's still a really fun uh, exciting movie yeah definitely oh a one more okay one more kind of aesthetic spectacle thing that places it more in fantasy it's just the design of the the elevated train that thomas wayne built it was kind of this yeah. more art deco thing which was kind of cool, but it was also kind of weird. But it was kind of cool because it called to mind sort of, you know, the 20s and the 30s and the golden age. And it just made me think of that was kind of the era of Batman, you know, the late 30s, the golden age of superheroes. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But it also yeah. looked a little out of place in modern day Chicago. So It definitely did a little <laughs> bit, but I liked it. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Okay, uh, I want to talk about morality yeah so i love even if it's 
beat over the head a little bit with some of the lines. Um, mm. I love how more than anything, this movie just talks about fear. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like that's such a vulnerable topic and it's because it's, it's something that's so universal to the human experience. Um, mm. and we're sitting here talking about our hero and what our hero is afraid of. And that's like such a weak point that he turns into his strength. Like that's just classic, like great storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. and without sounding too cheesy, it's really inspiring, you know? Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know why, but maybe it's just cause I've seen the movie so many times that, you're you're absolutely right. The movie is about fear, but for whatever reason, that just didn't even register with me on this watch. I guess just because that's a very, it's so obvious that I kind of missed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that it's definitely about that because you've got. You know, maybe we should have talked about Scare, Scarecrow more. Um, Bruce Wayne learns to deal with his fear, conquers it, masters it, makes it a, a strength. Scarecrow wants to manipulate other people's fears. Yeah. Um, and then Ross Al Ghul is, you know, using that to his advantage as well with the, the I don't even know, the super com- super complicated, we're going to poison the water and then evaporate the water. and. <laughs> that was a little bit convoluted, <laughs> I will admit. Yeah, it was. That um, was where I'm just thinking, okay, come on, it's a Batman movie, let's just move on. I don't know. No one really cares. I really like it when Falcone says to him, you'll always fear what you don't understand. Yeah. Um, Because that's just kind of like the root of it all, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's these people who refuse to look at each other as other people and understand them. And so it just creates this environment of violence. And Mm. Bruce doesn't understand you know the bats and he doesn't try to but then once he understands his fear he can master it you know it's really um it it makes you like think about like confronting trauma and confronting things that make you uncomfortable you know sure um and that's just like that resonated with me a lot mm. and that actually may explain uh, Ross Al Ghul's motivations a little bit, even though it's sort of very in the subtext that maybe he's just disgusted by the lower class people or what he views as the corrupt people of Gotham because he's scared of them. He doesn't understand them. He doesn't want to try to understand them. He just says, uh, they're disgusting. I hate them. Time to kill them all. Yeah. And if you think about like, if you think like about Dark Knight Rises and you think about how like Bane spent all this time in the pit and like Bruce goes there and like that's such an interesting it's making me think about that because like they understand that world because they've been there and it's like there's Mm. so much just focus Mm -hmm. on like you know understanding what has caused you harm and learning how to master it. I mean, that's what the Joker does. That's like everyone. I don't know. I just think that's a really mm. cool. Yeah. Cool yeah. You're theme right. That's that cool. runs throughout the trilogy. Totally. Um, Bane literally says, you know, you merely adopted the darkness. I was born in it, molded by mm-hmm. it. 
that whole cool yeah. speech. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I it, yeah, I'm excited to talk about Dark Knight Rises. Because <laughs> uh, Bruce Wayne experienced trauma at a young age. Maybe Bane didn't know that or forgot it or something. I don't know. Maybe he was just yeah. screwing with Batman. Uh, and and also this idea here. This is a cool thing in Rises, which I guess we'll just <laughs> we're just dying to talk about that movie. But this movie sets up the idea of a resurrection. You know, again, Bruce Wayne and Ross Al Ghul, they both die, or at least they're believed to be dead, and they, they're, they're reborn in a new mm-hmm. self. And that's what the Lazarus Pit does in the comics, is that that is how Ross Al Ghul attains immortality, is through the Lazarus Pit he's reborn, which yeah. is a very comic booky fantasy thing. And then Nolan, the Nolan brothers, because his brother wrote it or helped write it, right? Or no? Yeah. Uh, well, I, David S. Goyer was credited as a writer too. Mm, I don't okay. know. Definitely, oh, Christopher Nolan, David S. Goyer, who also wrote Man of Steel. Um, anyway, but they took that idea and said we're gonna try to we're gonna kind of apply that in more of a internal kind of spiritual thing instead of this external fantasy sort of weird made up thing. That that's yeah. that's awesome, especially in you've got the the image. Christopher Nolan's a real filmmaker because of this right here. You've got the image of him coming out of the well, and the thing his dad says, "Why do we fall?" So we can learn to pick ourselves back up again. That's that idea of the death and the rebirth and the resurrection again. And that just that shot of the dad coming in through the well, the shot of just this circular. Uh, orb of light which is repeated in Rises that's that's the well the huge well that he's in it's just like the well in this movie that's yeah. awesome yeah no I uh, Christopher I mean I won't get started on Christopher Nolan too much I think he's one <laughs> of the most consistently excellent filmmakers um, but yeah I think the, the thematics that this movie sets up are really well set up first of all and they are continued throughout the trilogy, and the morality here of of this idea of fear and resurrection and molding yourself to become stronger through your fear is just such a... so interesting, and I think it creates such a vulnerable hero who we can all identify with. Um, and, you know, because when I think about Batman, I don't think about us having a lot in common but when I watch this movie and I experience mm. like Bruce struggling with his fear and and using it as a tool to become stronger like I'm just like yeah I can relate to that you know and I think that's that's mm. the core of superheroes right there is learning how to make them relatable to everyone while still being this unique character and I just think this movie really excels at that hmm. that that's cool that you responded to that what well, I got to be honest. I didn't really respond to the fear thing. I, I kind of thought that it was a sort of backwards way of explaining in a real world way why a guy would dress up like a bat. They came up with this. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good story, but at the end of the day, I couldn't help but feel this is kind of contrived because you're taking this goofy character from 1930s pulp fiction 
and you're saying, yeah, he's conquering his fear, and he's afraid. He was afraid of bats as a kid, and he went to the opera and he saw a bat, and you know what I mean. That just to me yeah. that all felt a little bit contrived. But you really responded to it. I really responded to it. I would agree that parts of it did feel like they were created just to justify the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that as as a part of his character, it felt really genuine to me. Yeah, sure. Um, and, I mean, let's be honest, I was on board. I was on board for it. It was cool. I, I like this <laughs> world. I like this take on Gotham and everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of falling in love with this movie again as we talk about it, honestly. Just just delete Katie Holmes and it's a great movie. (laughs) Yeah, and I think a lot of my love for it does come from the foundation that it sets for the movies to follow. And I think that's okay. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not a standalone film, you know, and you don't have to look at it like that. And I think... It's a really a great introduction to this character and the world, and at the end it gets you excited for the next one. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, what do you think? I think it's what do you think is the big moral idea or the big moral statement? Hmm. I think I'm there are a lot of themes, a lot of really good themes floating around. Yeah, there's a lot of themes. I just don't... I don't know that there's, like, one, like, sentence that sums it up. But, you know, you've got, like, the idea of resurrection. So, like, when you fall, like, you pick yourself back up. You learn from those experiences. You've got this idea of fear where you're like, okay, take what you fear and understand it so that you can use it to be stronger. Justice is a huge theme, too. Yes, What's the right amount of punishment for people? Can people... Is redemption a part of justice and all that stuff? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's really strong morally. I don't know that I would say it comes out with, like, one statement. But I don't know if that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think it... In the past, we've had movies that have just had so many ideas that they're sort of inarticulate. But I don't think Mm -hmm. that's the case here. I think it is articulating something, perhaps many things. But it's it's hard to pinpoint one exactly. Yeah, I agree. But I think they're all strong points. And I think you understand what the movie is trying to say about each of them for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So it's it's pretty, pretty strong, pretty good stuff. Okay, there's yeah. one thing that's always bothered me, though. Okay. Did he... Okay, does he kill Ross al Ghul at the end? Now, the movie has its explanation, which is, I'm not going to kill you, but that doesn't mean I have to save you. Right. That is never set right with me. Um, from the time I first saw it to us watching it here i every time i see that i think that doesn't really make sense was that a yeah. weird line to you yeah because like he is still responsible for his death don't you think if you can save someone and you choose not to that's and you know they're gonna die 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly the theme in, like, Spider-Man 1, like, the idea of, like, a neutral action. He doesn't stop the robber, and the robber winds up killing his uncle. Like, that's, like, exactly the point of that movie. One of the points is you, if you do nothing, you're doing something negative, potentially. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, uh, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sit great, (laughs) for sure. We'll just delete that line and Katie Holmes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it, it is a weird line. I don't like it. I think they could have written something better. Where I don't know. Maybe he tries to save Rossell Ghoul, but it, you know they could have done something interesting. Where and I'll just say this because this is on the mind. I just rewatched all Lord of the Rings, all three, mm-hmm. and those are big on redemption as well, particularly uh, with Gollum. Um, right. You know, Frodo believes Gollum can be saved because Frodo sees that corruption within himself. And ultimately, Gollum is not redeemed because Gollum chooses, you know, Gollum himself makes choices that make him irredeemable. It's not that he's not irredeemable. It's he kind of chooses that path for himself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they could have done something like that with Ra's al Ghul where, you know, maybe Bruce wants wants to save him but Ross al Ghul just keeps making the wrong choices or doesn't turn the corner or whatever and Bruce has to recognize okay I can't save everybody that may have been something stronger something more consistent with the rest of the movie but uh, I don't know they didn't do it yeah I agree with that for sure cool Um, so the movie is terrible now no (laughs) (laughs) the movie the movie was the train. The movie has a metaphor for itself. It's the train, and it's traveling, and then it crashes and burns. I don't think it crashes and burns, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Morality is a train. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to rank it? Anything else to say? No, I think we're ready. Okay, cool. Well, let's start... Um, let's start with the old standby, Batman 89. Oh, that's way down there. Oh, is it? Also... I think it's a good place to start. You know, Batman, Batman movie versus Batman movie. Yeah, I will warn you, my phone is about to die. So, if that happens, don't panic. Just turn the screen off. Well, I'm looking at it to read the Pantheon. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but my phone lasts on one percent for like years. Okay. Anyway, I'm just gonna read this. Okay. You're on so one. I'm gonna go. Shh. <laughs> We've been talking for an hour. Okay. Okay. So, I'm going up from 89, or start at 89. I think it's, it's better, better than, than 89. It's better. Yes. Yes. Okay. Next is Unbreakable. It's better. definitely better. Oh, my screen went dark and I thought it died. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> next is Age of Ultron. Ooh. Seth. What do you, Seth, what do you no. think? It's better. Uh, in the interest of time, okay. Okay, Man of Steel. Uh, it's better. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, Infinity War. I think it's... I think it's better, honestly. I think it's better. 
Yeah. Okay. Black Panther. Better. Shazam. Ooh. That's a tough one. What number is Shazam? 12. Okay, better than Shazam. Okay. Wonder Woman. Oh, man. I think it's better than Wonder Woman. Okay, I'm not going to (laughs) disagree. Okay, Spider-Verse. No, sorry. Yeah, I think that's where we draw the line. Cool. So is number 11? Yep. That's pretty good. It's an important and good superhero film. Yeah, I think that's about right. Okay. Yeah, me too. Okay, let's wrap it up because you didn't charge your phone. Okay, listen, it's a very complicated setup because I have to put the headphones in the phone, but it's a stupid phone with only (laughs) one jack for the headphone and to plug it in, so I can't plug it in. Oh, it's one of those. Okay. Yeah. Blame Apple. I Um, do. So next time we'll be doing Dark Knight, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Yes, that'll be an epic episode. Um, At the time of this taping, you still have not uploaded our in-game episode, so I'd like that to happen. No, that's not true. It's uploaded. It's uploaded. (gasps) It is? That's so exciting. Wow. But I I still haven't written the description. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, then you have to do that. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, And... Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's not perfect, but I think, especially because of the two that follow, um, I really like it. And yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's how you feel. Yeah, I yeah. basically agree. I think the the bad parts were kind of really bad for me this time, but um, it's just so cool. The writing's so good. It's The take is so interesting. It was really visionary. It's still a lot of fun. And it has uh, some good meaning behind it, too. And what yeah. more could you want from one of these movies? Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, next time we'll do Dark Knight. And uh, um, you come up with a catchphrase. You do a sign-off. Oh, no. What's our sign-off? You, um, you think of one. I'm really bad at that. <laughs> That's why it's funny. Oh my gosh, that's so mean. Um, uh, I was trying to think of like a line from this movie, but where do you, we said one? It's not what you what you do. It's the edit, wait. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>